we conclude our Lenten homily series on proofs for God's existence. This homily is titled Eucharistic Miracles, The Case for Christ. The Son of God's existence in the miracle of miracles. I'll be adding two additional homilies for Holy Thursday and Good Friday to this series to offer a more personalistic approach as proof for God's existence. In today's gospel reading from John chapter 11, Jesus says to Martha, quote, Your brother will rise. Martha said, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. End quote. Martha, a Jew, had come to believe that the person that the body of a person who died would, through the power of God, rise on the last day when God brings heaven and earth together and all is made whole. Jesus takes Martha one important step further in her belief. He states that he is the resurrection and the life. Whenever we believe in him, we will have his life within us and we will have the life of God within us. So, even though we die physically, we will experience the resurrection of our souls and bodies in the fullness of time and space. We will live forever with the life of the eternal Son of God as our means of crossing over from death into forever life. And another part of this same gospel from John, Jesus is very specific about how his life is within us. He says, quote, in John 6, 5, 1, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world, end quote. The bread that Jesus gives us is his flesh, his human flesh, his resurrected, glorified flesh, hidden under the appearance of bread. Eating this bread, if we are properly disposed to receive him, has the power to put the life of the Son of God within us. If we allow this living God, who is living within us when we commune with him, to truly feed us, shape and form us, lead and guide us, Jesus can take us through death into the life of heaven. Wow, wow, wow. How do we know this is true? What evidence is there for this living bread, which we call the Eucharist, to be the flesh and blood of the Son of God? If science could verify that the bread and wine consecrated at Mass becomes human flesh and human blood, this could help the non-believer to consider the existence of God. If science could verify also that bread changing into flesh is impossible outside the natural realm, this should be enough for a non-believer to consider the existence of the supernatural a reality beyond the natural. 
If science could confirm that there are common characteristics to all Eucharistic miracles, that is, when we actually see the change from bread into body into human flesh, then all that Jesus Christ taught us is true regarding him being the resurrection and the life and capable of giving us his life, eternal life. Furthermore, shouldn't this also move the believer, like you and I, to center our lives on this truth, spending our lives staying near to God through the Eucharist, worshiping him in the Eucharist, and making sure that we receive him as often as we can, like every week, and living our lives in such a way that we are properly disposed to receive him, so that we can be fully alive in him, and so we can cross over from death into life, eternal life, Eucharistic miracles. Miracles within a miracle. Every time bread and wine is consecrated at Mass, a miracle happens. The very essence of what makes bread bread and wine wine are changed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ, but without us seeing the change. However, every once in a while, like every century or so, well, actually every century, since the resurrection of Christ, and in different parts of the world, God allows a miracle within a miracle. God allows us to experience the change with our human senses. In today's modern age, science has finally arrived at the ability to confirm what the Son of God taught us from divine revelation. I'd like to offer two examples among literally hundreds of documented examples of Eucharistic miracles. When we have been able to see the change of the bread and wine into the body and blood of the Son of God, we can read many, many more about these miracles in several books, like the book called Eucharistic Miracles of the World, or we can visit websites like www.realpresence.org. So let's look at those two. Lanciano, Italy. Italy. Last summer, I led a group of our parishioners on a spiritual pilgrimage through some of the holy sites of Italy. We visited Lanciano. During the middle of the 8th century, a monk who was more oriented towards science than faith had persistent doubts about the reality of the bread and wine becoming Christ's true body and blood at the consecration until one particular mass. As he pronounced the words of consecration, suddenly the monk saw bread turn into flesh and wine into blood, according to the documents at the sanctuary of the Eucharistic miracle in Lanciano, Italy. This was heaven's direct answer to the monk. Belief quickly replaced his doubts as he invited those at Mass to come and contemplate the living God before his eyes. The faithful can still do so in the church of San Francesco in Lanciano over 1,200 years later, like we did when we were pilgrims there this past summer. It is incredible to see 
with the preserved flesh and coagulated blood on display. They have not decayed into dust, which is what normally happens to human flesh over a matter of a few decades, say nothing of 1,200 years. Many scientific tests have been done on samples of the Lanciano Eucharistic tissue and blood and verified, for instance, that it's a real flesh, human flesh, and the blood type is AB. In fact, these studies have verified characteristics that are common to what has been discovered through other scientific studies at other Eucharistic miracle sites throughout the world. No matter how many centuries ago the miracles occurred, in the case of the Lanciano miracle, the World Health Organization was invited in to test the Eucharistic tissue and blood. The World Health Organization's Board of Governors chose a scientific commission. After 500 examinations, they verified what was found in earlier studies, such as the 1971 study, and, quote, without doubt, it is living tissue. End quote. It is living human tissue, which is, of course, naturally impossible and scientifically unexplainable. Living tissue is another characteristic of many of the Eucharistic miracles. There are others. They are all from a man. His ethnic origin is the Near East. He has a certain blood type. There are cells in the tissue and blood that are alive. They date from the first century. They are all well-preserved, but with no known preservatives found in them. They haven't decayed. Even though they've been exposed to the air for centuries, the tissue is also from a human heart in every case, and so on and so on. Here's more, a more recent Eucharistic miracle. The parish of Santa Maria in Buenos Aires, Argentina, 1992. Bread consecrated at Mass into the Eucharistic, into the Eucharist. At bread, yeah, bread consecrated at the Mass, of the, uh, 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 consecrated into the Eucharist at the Mass. When it happened, the priest did what any priest would do. He freaked out. Then he composed himself, finished the Mass, and reported it to the Archbishop of Buenos Aires, Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, who now goes by the name of Pope Francis. Cardinal Bergoglio directed the samples of the consecrated host should be examined by doctors and scientists. Recall that Pope Francis is a scientist, a chemist. The future Pope knew if scientists could not explain it, then this could indeed be a miracle within a miracle. Scientific analysis first fell to a top laboratory in Argentina, Forensic Analytical Genetics Laboratory in San Francisco, Argentina, by Dr. Robert Lawrence, a famous legal histopathologist and a top expert in human tissue analysis. They couldn't explain it naturally, scientifically. Eventually, samples of the host were sent to a place that was believed to be devoid of faith, Columbia University in New York. Dr. Frederick Zjibbe 
an international expert in cardiac pathology and forensic medicine of the heart, was the lead scientist. And this lead doctor was not told that these samples were from a consecrated host. After analyzing it, an official report was filed. Conclusions? This was from a human heart, a heart that had suffered greatly due to the body not being able to breathe during a period of suffering, specifically asphyxiation, which is the way that Christ died. The tissue also contained live white blood cells, which is impossible because white blood cells start disintegrating within 15 minutes after death. Truly, this was living bread. When the lead doctor was told that the samples came from a consecrated host, he responded, impossible, which is all the church needed to consider the fun, this phenomena a Eucharistic miracle. As I mentioned, there are many other Eucharistic miracles from hundreds of years ago and within the last 20 years. Some of them I've had a chance as a priest and when I was a seminarian to visit those sites. All of which the Catholic Church has invited the scientific community to examine and report their findings. For the church wants the truth to be known about the presence of the living God, the Son of God, within the living bread of the Eucharist. And it knows that science is seeking the truth just like believers are seeking the truth. This is the church breathing with both lungs, faith and science. For me as a priest, I find it fascinating that many people today are constantly looking for signs to prove the existence of God. Our Lord loves us so much, and he wants to make himself known to us through the breaking of the bread. As someone who sees the face of Jesus in the consecration, how can we doubt that the Eucharist is truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ when there is so much scientific evidence that the miracle of the Eucharist, let alone 2,000 years of history, of all the saints, for instance, who attest to the fact that they often encountered Christ in the Eucharist. How is this possible? How can God change through the agent of a priest, simple bread and wine into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of his son, Jesus. Well, in previous homilies, recall, we talked about how God literally created everything out of nothing. Over billions of years, everything in the universe out of nothing, starting with the Big Bang. God pulled the trigger of the Big Bang. Here's the thing. If God can create everything out of nothing, surely he has the power to take one thing, bread, and change it into another thing, the presence of the Son of God, and without us detecting the change. Furthermore, in this homily series, we looked at the logical arguments of the philosophers, some of the world's greatest minds, like Thomas Aquinas, who argued for the existence of God through logic. Using reason, he showed us that it is reasonable to believe in God. In this homily series, we shattered the myth that faith and science, reason and religion are at odds. The myth that you can't believe in both and you can't be both. We looked at some of humanity's greatest scientists and saw how the majority of them up and down the centuries, including the 20th and 21st century, are Christians. 
like the Catholic priest who developed the Big Bang Theory as a way to help believers and non-believers see how the origins of the universe and all of life began with God speaking, let there be light. Looking at the scientific studies of near-death experiences, we saw a phenomenon that are common to all near-death experiences, all pointing to what we've already known about life through divine revelation. That there's a transcendent soul that exists, a glorified body after death, and the unconditional love of God in the afterlife. If all of these exist, the God who created them and sustains them exists. Science has finally been able to confirm through multiple studies what Revelation has always told us. There is life beyond the natural realm. And there is a God who loves us. Along these lines, we've learned that all you need is one miracle, just one, to prove that there is something beyond the natural realm. The resurrection of Christ and the bearer's shroud of Turin are that miracle with a ton of scientific studies confirming that whatever produced the image of, on the shroud is truly beyond the natural realm, supernatural, possessing a power that we do not possess as mere humans. In this homily series, we have even learned about the existence, that the existence of evil and suffering don't prove that God does not exist. The exact opposite. The presence of evil and suffering point to the existence of God and can be the means by which people are drawn closer to God in their need. In today's gospel reading from John chapter 11, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, gives another human being, Martha, the following words. Quote, Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. End quote. For believer and non-believer alike, two things are necessary for us to have the eternal life that God promises us. First, one, we will want to believe in God. And number two, we will want to live in God. In today's modern age, there are simply so many ways for non-believers to know that God exists. Once we all can acknowledge that God exists, the next step for the non-believer who now sees it is reasonable to believe in God, and for all of us, folks who have believed all of our lives, the next step is to live our belief. Believing is the first step, but it is not the only step. Our faith in God mustn't remain in our heads. For all of us, it needs to travel to our heart. Being a believer and a follower of God, a Christian and a disciple, means employing both head and heart, thinking and loving, reasoning and being in love with God. Using both our heads and our hearts, we are able to live our beliefs in God, which is the only way through this life and into the life eternal. I hope that you found this Lenten homily series helpful. I've done my best to research and to pass along to you some of the proofs for God's existence. Now you must do your part to pass along these proofs from your head to your heart. 
from belief to living out this belief in God through a relationship with him. The most important relationship that you will live. Along these lines, as you grow closer to God, share this series with people in your life who you know and love and pray for. Folks who are struggling with their beliefs in God and don't know that they don't have to struggle any longer. To help with a more personalistic approach to belief in God, I've added two additional homilies for Holy Thursday and Good Friday, and those are coming out here soon. As I mentioned at the beginning of this homily series, I'm indebted to Father Robert Spitzer, a Jesuit priest who's also a scientist for his outline and resources found in his latest project entitled Credible Catholic. The material for today's homily comes from a 2019 article in the National, Geograph the National Catholic Register written by Joseph Pronetchen. Additional information came from the book Eucharistic Miracles of the World uh, and also from a website called uh, www.realpresence.org and of course, as with all the homily series, from the scripture themselves and from our catechism and from our beliefs.